Welcome to the Inspire Life podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Kimbaro, coming out of San Diego, California, where we give you the tools and insights to take charge of your life, mind, body, and spirit, so that you can live your best life. My guest today is Kevin Feely, entrepreneur and host of the Thinking Bigger podcast. Kevin, how's it going, man? What's up, Morgan? How you doing, dude? Doing good, man. We had to pivot to a new studio, but we're here. Place is nice. I it like it. Very nice. It's my first time in here. We got Jay doing the editing. Yeah. Dude, so what's up, man? You already did a podcast today. Yeah, shot a podcast today talking about real estate on uh, my podcast, Thinking Bigger with Kevin Feely. And uh, yeah, it was a good one. All right. You still got the juice and energy to bring it today? Let's get it. Let's go. Dude. Dude, so how you been, man? Excellent, dude. Um, working a lot, getting ready to do a little bit of traveling. And uh, yeah, just same same shit, different day. I hear you, man. Dude, so crazy, su- crazy thing happened this weekend. My neighbor, she died. Yeah. So on Friday, we were like throwing a party next door. Like we heard him. I had a buddy over. We were jamming on the guitar. Right. And they're just bumping their techno music. And at some point, you know, we hear him like arguing, like shouting, you know, whatever they're doing. And we're like, whatever, you know, just like a normal Friday night. And then the next day, the cops came. Oh, man. Right. Like running. Like I'm, I'm outside. Like our complex, we have like this like little jacuzzi thing. Yeah. And I'm getting my tan in, you know. Yeah. Right after Muay Thai. And I see the cops like run in. I'm like, what's going on? Right. It was just like some sort of domestic dispute or something like that. They'd like be walking up, right? Yeah. If it was an Maybe. emergency, I should say, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like running up. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? And then I just hear like the roommate like being hysterical. And then I see the cops come out and bring out like the pill bottles and everything. Okay, so overdose or uh, I'm 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 guessing. Yeah, you know, so it's just interesting, man. Like you know, I'd see her walking around, like you know, knew that she was you know a party person, but it's just crazy. Like she's gone, you know, and it just kind of keeps things in perspective. You know, like you're dealing with some shit today with uh, having to pivot with this podcast, but like we're still alive, man. Yeah, like we're still here. Yeah, you know, like she. Man, she must have been like twenty three. Yeah, Dude. I lost lost a lot of friends uh, during my younger years. You know, a lot of my friends were so. So I actually tomorrow will have seven years of sobriety. Um, but the the before you know when I was in my early twenties and late teens, man, we were we were a little wild. And nowadays, when the fentanyl that's out there, you know, I would I would bet money that if she died of an overdose, it was fentanyl because it's yeah. in everything. And, um, dude, that's sad because how old did you say she was? I think she was like 23. Yeah, man, life just getting started. And when you're that young, you think that you're invincible and you're not, you know, like, and, and you know, I got this tattoo a while ago that says, reminder, you're going to die. That's true. Because we're all going to die, but not everybody lives, as corny as that sounds, <laughs> but, uh actively taking time every single day to thank you know thank god that you're alive and you're here and you're healthy and um that you're not dead because any anybody could go like you know unfortunately that 23 year old girl died on friday or saturday and uh, a couple months from now people will start to forget about her and yeah 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 you know like life goes on you know is it's true like you know that Later on that day, I live in PB. I live right by the beach. For those yeah. that don't know San Diego, 
And so I had to go down to the store and, you know, PB is a bunch of young people, right? Summertime, everyone's living their, you know, their best life, having fun. And I just think to myself, like, dang, you know, everyone's life goes on, you know, like this yeah. person's out of this life. She's passed on. But, uh, you know, everyone's like out and about having a fun time in California. So, you know, it just keeps perspective. But, um, yeah, crazy, man. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but and especially again, like nowadays, these kids that think they're just messing around with cocaine, you know, oh, my dad did cocaine, my grandpa did cocaine back in the day. No, it's not like that anymore. Yeah. You're you're rolling the dice with something that will kill you immediately. And, you know, I mean that. Yeah. Scary stuff. I, I don't I don't I can't imagine anybody doing drugs nowadays and like not worrying about it because. Yeah. You'd have to be stupid not to. So, anyways, man. rest in peace to that girl. Too bad, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's 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 what happens. That happens, man. You kind of had a crazy past, you know. Like we're friends, you know. We talked about that, but you made a pivot, right? Like you were kind of, you know, getting into some trouble. We all get into some, tru- some trouble when we're younger, but yeah, you kind of had like a moment of clarity, and you're like, "Nah, this ain't for me anymore," you know. So yeah. talk about that, dude. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, I've been sober for seven years now as of tomorrow. Yeah, come thanks. On, come on, yeah. Um, you know, but uh, I think that I, when you don't have a lot of meaning in your life, it makes for a lot of, uh, I guess, bad habits. And, and I was a lost kid, you know, that's it. Like, I had a lot of creative and chaotic energy. And the problem with energy is it's got to go somewhere. So I unfortunately chose to put that energy into partying and drugs. Not, not really drugs, but mostly alcohol. I experimented a little bit, but drugs were never really a problem for me. It was always alcohol. Wanted to drink, and I thought that, you know, in order to fit in, I had to be this cool party guy. And for me, I'm such an extreme person, and all this chaotic energy had to go somewhere. So I decided I'm going to be the coolest, funniest, craziest guy at the party. I'm going right. to fight. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, f- I'm going to, you know, you got to be number one in it all, man. Yeah, I, right? I wanted to be right. And, um, you know, and and after watching several of my friends die, you know, in, in a bunch of different ways, but watching that, OK, we're, we're partying all the time. We're having a great time now. And then we start to get older and people are doing the same thing and nobody's really growing in their life and. Then you have like one or two friends that sort of disappear, right? They go off, they do their own thing, and all of a sudden their life just gets exponentially better. And I remember seeing that with a couple people like, oh, this one friend just disappeared and we're all like, fuck him, whatever, you know, he thinks he's too good for us. No, this guy made a decision to improve his life and um, is doing phenomenal. Married kids, has a couple houses, you know, investing in real estate, doing really good sober. And but wh- what I didn't know then was he was planting a seed for me. You know, he set the example, and I remember just getting more and more tired and exhausted with drinking and partying, and realizing like, man, how many times am I going to do the same thing and expect it to be different? And unfortunately, I got arrested, uh, which I got arrested a bunch for you know fights. And one time I broke into a car when I was blacked out drunk, zero recollection of it, left my phone in the car that I broke into. And that's how they found me. Wow. And, um, man, I just got into so much stupid scenarios that never would have happened if I were, you know, doing something better. But 
you, you live and you learn. But I ended up getting arrested, fighting with a bunch of police in South Boston. You got like roughed fought, up. You fought the police? Oh, like six of them. Yeah, Damn. it was, it was it, and again, zero recollection. This was different, man, because I woke up in jail. No idea why I'm there. The guards, I'm tapping on the glass. They're not even wanting to talk to me. So I'm, for a good 30 minutes, not sure why I'm in there. That's a scary place to be. When you wake up in a jail and the guards don't even want to look at you, like, what did I do, right? Did I crash my car and kill somebody? Did I fight somebody in the street and they hit their head and they died? Did I, you know, what happened? And that's a terrifying place to be. And I found out I fought with a bunch of cops, caused a major scene coming into the jail. And um, no wonder they didn't, you know, they didn't want to look at me. But, um, you know, and, and the universe really opened up when I gave up and I said, hey, I'm done. You know, it was the first time I ever prayed to God. And um, it's the first time I ever believed in a God. I was an atheist before that. And, you know, um, I'm not like extremely religious or anything like that but i i definitely like there's no denying that there's something else out there because when i decided that i wanted to get sober and i asked for help everything opened up i mean everything it was like a movie like i can't even like sometimes when people ask me about my sobriety story i don't even get into it because it is so crazy the amount of things that happened it doesn't even sound real so i don't tell a lot of people because it just sounds almost like a made-up story and if you know me, and if you knew me and watched it, like my friends that know me and knew me before I got sober, they get it. They understand it. But it's it's just beautiful but uh, and powerful, you know. But, yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it takes, uh, takes an act of God sometimes to make that pivot and change, right, that moment of clarity. You know, sitting in a jail cell, right, Hung over, having fought some cops. Yeah. I mean, you didn't get charged or anything? Like no, I did. Like I did. That's like, how much time did you do? So they let me out the next day. And here's here's the crazy thing. This the happened. The next day. This you, tried, happened, you fought cops and they let you out the next day. Hear this out. Okay. This happened on Sunday. It would have been July 10th, 2016, if I have my dates right. I woke up in jail on the 11th, which was a Monday morning, right? So I went to a Red Sox game. Got completely obliterated, blacked out drunk, and this happened outside of my house in the streets, right? Well, here's the crazy thing. I'm running a sales meeting the next morning, or I'm supposed to be, but I'm not there because I'm in jail. I worked a sales job, had a sales team, and was supposed to be in the office in downtown Boston at like 8 a.m. Well, I'm in jail, right? So when they give me my phone call, one person that I called that I knew their phone number was my boss and I'm supposed to be in the office. So I need to call him and let him know, Hey, like, here's what happened. Right? So I call, he doesn't answer. I leave him a voicemail. Hey Dave, I know you guys are going to fire me cause I, cause I fucked up. I'm in jail. Um, I'll let you know when I'm out. Sorry. Click. It's pretty much it. Right. Go back to my jail cell. They're getting to transfer me from where I was to the actual city jail, which like, when you walk in there, it's gladiator school. Like, it's on. You got to fight. Like, it's 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 real, you know? So I remember sitting in this jail cell and watching this clock tick down to the time when I'm supposed to leave. This guard comes in, and this is Boston. This guy knows my uncle, recognized my last name. Hey, do you not have bail money? I'm like, I have bail money, but I don't have cash, and I don't have my phone. He's like, well, hold on one second. He comes back, gets me out of the cell, brings me upstairs into the court, which is completely empty at this time, dark has my phone plugged in, and I had already been arraigned. So I went in, saw the judge, and they said, 
if you if you come up with 400 bucks or whatever you can bail out today well i text this girl that i was seeing this girl nicole shout out to nicole because nicole left where she was like an hour away and came down to bail me out right so the guy had my phone plugged in i got to use my phone and reach out and so i go back to the cell but if they don't pay it by a certain time, then I have to get transferred and then I have to wait for the next day or two days or something to be able to bail out, right? So I'm watching this clock tick down and right at the last second, they're like, Feely, you're out. I'm like, oh my God, thank God Nicole's here. Like, man, she really came through. And I walk out and they process you, they give you your paperwork and then they let you out, right? And they let you out into the, like the hallway of the courthouse. And when I walked in, it's my boss standing there. And he's like, what the fuck? Mm. And I just had goosebumps, and I was like, dude, I fucked up. Like, I have no uh, – I, I need help. And that's all I could keep saying is, like, I, it was the first time I ever fully took accountability for my actions but also asked for help. I always thought I could do it by myself, you know. And long story short, he was like, Jerry, the CEO, wants to see you in his office at 9 tomorrow. Jerry had me come in with the police report, and um, I thought I was fired for sure. I was just, like, trying to save face on my way out and, like, not burn bridges. And uh, I think they knew, and they knew me. They they hired me. I was just this snot-nosed 20-year-old kid when they hired me and, and um, you know, um, I think they knew that I had good intentions and that I was going to turn it around and they believed in me and they didn't fire me. And this opened up the door to this court case going on for like a year and a half. And um, finally they dismissed all the charges because I went to the judge and I, I got completely sober and I did everything above and beyond that they asked me to do. And I still to this day call the probation department. Last time I was in Boston, actually my content guy and I went to the probation department and said what's up to all the probation people, and they remembered me and my story, mm. and and I call them all the time to be like, hey, uh, it's been this much, you know, every year. I'm like, hey, it's been three years, you know, uh, I'm still sober. Hey, it's been four years, just to let them know, hey, you know, like there's a lot of people that uh, burn that chance, but I want to let them know that some people do turn their life around, you yeah. know. So definitely, they should have you come and speak. I don't know if like they do that, like public speaking, but to use you as an example of like, hey. You know, this guy, he, he rehabilitated himself. Like, it can be done. Yeah, well, they have actually been invited okay. to um, speak to youth probation. Oh, okay. So I do that every couple months. Yeah, I'll speak to, like, a group of kids that are on probation and, you know, try to let them know, like, you know. Because I didn't know. I didn't have anybody like that, you yeah. know. I, I had to figure it out on my own. And um, not that there weren't good examples set for me, but uh, – you know, it is what it is, and, yeah. and I made my choices. So uh, accountability, super important, I think. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, you own it, right? You know, got into some trouble, had that situation, and you're like, okay, I'm moving forward with this. Like, I have to make changes in my life, right? So, like, when you make those changes, you're like, okay, I'm going to get sober, right? I'm going to change my lifestyle. You know, what was the most difficult thing of letting that stuff go? I don't think there was anything different. Okay. That's the thing is people are always like, hey, oh, congratulations. You're so, oh, it's so hard to get sober. No, it wasn't. It was the yeah. easiest thing I've ever done because when you, when you look at the time that I was, you know, I mean, 
there were some things that I was, so what happens when you get arrested is sometimes they'll charge you with as many things as they can in case things fall off, something sticks in the court process, right? So like if you're in a fight, they may charge you with assault and then they'll also charge you with harassment as a complimentary charge so that if the assault gets dropped, the harassment is still there, right? If something happens in the case. So, so in this, when you look at my rap, my charge sheet, it was super, super like, like a long list of the same kind of crimes. And then when it actually went through the court process to what I was actually charged with, it was a lot less. But when I tallied up all of that, it was like 40 something, 50 years, like 48 years or so long that, um, spending the rest of your life in prison. Yeah, well, he, well, here's, here's, well, maybe, right? Because, like, some people get hit with 40 years, and then they only, if it's yeah. not federal, they probably only serve, you know, and, and, um, but I had been arrested a bunch yep. before for, for, you know, bar fights and stealing and just yeah. dumb, dumb, dumb stuff. But still to see that, right, tw- what, 21 years old? and like 23 at this 23, time. 23, yeah. right? And you're, yeah. like, 48 years, right? Hey, yeah, it's probably going to get knocked down, but to see that, I mean, whoa, like, yeah, if that's not a wake up call, my God, I don't know what isn't. So, so uh, I don't think I've ever told anybody this, but in my mind, there were three options, right? I remember walking out of that courthouse and reading these charges and, and over the next couple months, not knowing, I mean, years, but a year and a half, or I think it was like 15 months or something from start to finish. But um, I remember sitting and thinking like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm either going to commit suicide. I'm going to go on the run. I, I had this plan. Maybe I'll move to Ireland and I'll go work in a bar somewhere and, uh, you know, just go, go, you know, I got friends and family in Ireland. I can go stay with for a while and then figure it out from there. Or I can be a man and I can fight this, right? Suicide was never a real yeah. option, but it, but it, the thought, would go through anybody's mind in the same circumstance. Pops up. Immediately. No, not going to do that. Second option, flee. Well, I'm in a stressful situation. I'm in a survival instinct mode. So I think, yeah, maybe I'll just go to Ireland. Maybe I'll just go on the run and, you know, after a while it'll all die down and, I don't know, figure it out. And I came up with the option, like, no, I have to be a man. I did this. Sure, I was drunk. Sure, I can have all these excuses on, like, why it's not my fault, but no, it was my fault. I did that. I made those decisions. Everything that I've done up to this time is my fault. Even actions that have happened to me that really were out of my control were still in my control because I was in that environment, right? One time I got robbed late at night. Well, guess what? I didn't rob myself, but I did choose to walk through a bad neighborhood drunk late at night. Uh, I did that to myself. So I decided I'm going to be a man uh, and I'm going to fight this. And I got to live with the consequences of, of what I did because that's what you have to do. And, <laughs> man, I mean, everything opened up. Everything opened up. Down to, like, little things. So I went to Alcoholics Anonymous and um, started just telling everybody my story, like being super, super vulnerable. No bullshit, no lies, nothing. And I don't know, you know, if anybody watching this, the old school dudes in AA in Boston, a lot of them are former mob guys, tough guys. There's a lot of cops. There's a lot of everything. But, like, all of these guys, 
they know if you're real or not. They it's like that whole statement of like real recognize real. No, these these guys are real old school gangsters that turned it around. And and they knew that I was legit. So they saw that I wanted to help myself and they saw that I was willing to do whatever it took. So there was a guy that was a lawyer there who got sober after, you know, like all these years of doing drugs and drinking and tough guy from Dorchester and he represented me in court. There was another guy from the court that knew all the people in the court that I was going to, right? So now he's able to pull strings and not even pull strings, but let them know like, hey, this kid's legit. Like if you're going to give him a chance, I can vouch a cop. And turns out that guard in the jail that recognized my last name and my uncle, turns out that guy's sober too. So not only is he from the same neighborhood my family's from, knows my family, but he knows all these other guys. So I think when he saw me in there, the reason why he let me go up and use my phone wasn't just because he knew my uncle, which Boston's a really small city like that, but it was because he, he saw something in me. And, and that guy really, it was just, just um, it was like, it takes a village, right? And all of these people came together and helped me. My car got, re- not repoed, but it got towed for being parked in the wrong section. No, it didn't get towed, it got booted. So I had all these parking tickets because I parked in the city. Car got booted which means you can't drive it because there's a thing literally stopping you from driving it. I had a work meeting, and this guy from AA just gave me his car for a week. Hey, take it. I'll take the train. Like, all the way down to, I moved to California. I I just one-upped and, uh, or you know, on a whim, moved to San Diego. The court system allowed me to move while I was, you know, with with a major felony case. They still let me move. And the case was dismissed. All the charges were dropped. And, you know, it's uh, it's just I, I believe that I sat at a crossroads after that court case. And, and I had already given up. I had already sat down and, and, and said, listen, I'm done fighting. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get sober and live like a positive life. And, and I truly believe that I was at a crossroads where I could either take the easy way of moving and fleeing and running from the case, which really is a harder way, or I could take the hard way was that's the right thing to do, and I did that. And and because I made that hard decision, it led me down a very, very, very uh, beautiful life when I think it could have gone the other way. And, like, you know, I don't, I don't know. That's what I think. Yeah. Wow. Wow, man. I mean, just... Where, where to even start, right? For you to be rock bottom, like you're rock bottom, man. Like you might be going to jail for a long time. You know, you're having problems with substances, right? I mean, at this point, it's like, I mean, even considering suicide, right? You took that off the board, obviously, but that that was in, a, in your mind a consideration, right? Like I'm going to take myself out of the arena fully. And you say, no, like I got to take this head on. I'm not fleeing. I'm not killing myself. I'm fighting. I'm fighting for my life. At that point, that's what you were doing. You were fighting for your life, fighting for your future, right? I mean, that within itself is so inspiring, you know? I mean, wow. I hope people have listened to this and are inspired that, you know, that they can take action in their life. And so I think the best thing to talk about, man, is like you talk about moving to San Diego. Now, the story there. Is like you're playing Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Right? Kind of yeah. maybe, you know, you've left it behind, but you know, you're kind of, you know, maybe 
just want to get a little, you know, fake reality of it again. And you're like, okay, what is it? Vice City, San Andreas. Grand Theft Auto Five, because it came out in like 2013. Is that San Andreas? Yeah, it's in it's in Southern California. So the story goes. Okay, um, tell it, man. Yeah, because think about it, right? I I got sober, which leaves me with an open calendar. Yeah. Right. I got I got time. So I'm playing a lot of video games, like trying to keep myself out of trouble and keep my mind occupied. And this led me to kind of like love attraction without even knowing what that was at the time, but visualizing myself in California and like in Grand Theft Auto, you can own your own condo, you can own a business, you can have cars and all that. And I would even pretend like I would drive in the game, drive by the airport in a black BMW or a big truck or whatever. And I would pretend like I was picking up my old boss and taking him to show him my new nice condo and my business and all this. And it, it sounds crazy, but I was making this in my mind, and it turned into reality. I, I ended up moving. One day I was just like, wait, why don't I move to California? What am I doing here? It's like the winters here are miserable. The summers are hot and humid, although they're cool. But I'm kind of sick of Boston. I love the city, but I, I kind of want to go. I'm young. At the time, single, like – why don't I go somewhere else? So I looked up the weather in LA and it was like 75, 80 degrees, something like that. I'm like, man, I think I'm going to do it. And two weeks later I had plans and, and was on my way. And I ended up in San Diego at all places. Just a bunch of events happened. And I landed here, started my business. And um, the first year, two years were, were pretty brutal um, starting it. Like, made some good money and then it kind of fell apart and then started making it money again and um, took a couple steps back and then, dude, it just blew up. And now we're doing, you know, a couple million a year and um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So talk about that. I mean, starting the business, right? Moving out here to San Diego, right? Probably not knowing too many people, kind of starting – in many ways, you know, from zero in a lot of ways, right? Building that network, building that community, living in a new place. And you're like, okay, starting a business. And it's successful, you know, goes through some rocky times. Like, like talk about that, man. How you grew the business, how, how it's successful today. You know, people want to hear about that story because there's a lot of people that want to start their own business. So yeah. talk about that, man. Yeah. So, so before I had had a really good career with this company called Beacon Payments, which is a financial services, credit card processing, payroll company out of Boston. And um, they taught me door to door, like business to business sales, how to go out, generate my own leads, build relationships with business owners, and then sell them one of the hardest products to sell just because it's a really, it's kind of like the used car industry. Most people are really bad, but the small percentage that's really good is really good. Well, I got lucky and worked for the really good ones, right? Yep. These guys were, were legit, and they still they, they exited for a bunch of money now. But um, but I, I had this experience in, in going out, and I realized that I had, um, I had been running a business this whole time. I just, you know, was doing it under somebody else's business. Now, I was a W-2 employee. It wasn't like I was actually running my own business, but I realized one day that I had what it took to start my own business. And what happened was, uh, so we, how the sales process w- would work is I would walk into a business and I would say, hey, how's it going? Who do you use for your credit card processing? I'd try to see their statement and then we'd try to give them a quote and then hopefully save them some money, right? Well, I walk and people don't always want to switch, right? Because there's trust. It's a, it's a big process. And so there's a lot of people, like, oh, I don't want to switch, but I know they want to save money. 
So I walked in one day, and it was this Indian guy that owned a liquor store. And I just, my gut was like, this guy's not going to sign up. Like, he showed me his statement, and which sounds great. But I just looked at him and was like, hey, why don't I just call your company and negotiate your rates? You don't have to change anything, and you can pay me 100 bucks if they give you something in writing that they're going to change it. He was like, all right, deal. So I called them, took me like 10 minutes, negotiated their rates, because it's all negotiable, right? Negotiated the rates down, and a minute, like, after that call, the guy opened up his till, pulled out a $100 bill, and handed it to me. Wow. And I left and was like, oh, shit. I just got paid right away. And yeah. I needed money at the time, too. So I was like, man, something clicked. And I was like, I think I'm going to start a business. I don't know what I'm selling. So I stumbled ap- across uh, Ty Lopez, if anybody knows who yeah, Ty Lopez is. Yeah, I remember is. Ty Lopez. Dude, what happened to that guy? He's, he's killing it. He's doing his own okay, private equity stuff. Okay. Um, I mean, he used to like, be all over. Yeah, he, yeah, and yeah. Ty Lopez has kind of a, I would say, bad reputation because he sells courses. But that dude changed a lot of lives. Yeah. And uh, I, the way he goes about it, because he's very flashy and he sells like this million. Like, it's basically get which crick get rich quick stuff, but, um, but his stuff worked. Right. Yeah. So I, I started a, a social media marketing company, which turned into a lead generation agency where we generate leads for businesses. And, you know, the first couple months we, you know, was making a couple thousand a month and then it was ups and downs and then dude, it, it blew up like it just remarkable, you know? We started in this, I started just me in this little tiny office, downtown San Diego, started in my apartment, then got an office, but, um, from this little tiny office, hired one guy, Donald Knapp, shout out to Donald. Um, and then from that office moved into a bigger office and hired more employees. And then now we're in the suite that you've been to, which is a huge office suite, downtown San Diego. Uh, my business partner who we sold 50% of the company to back in 2021 is in Phoenix. So we have another office out there and, um, 40 something employees and growing and and now we just started another company that does uh kind of the same thing in a different niche with my old employee donald so he left started his own business and now is killing it and then now him and i are starting another one parallel so a lot of uh good stuff you know coming and a lot of great relationships from it and uh dan falkerson was actually one of my first mentors here in san diego yeah yeah but he was one of my first mentors like before the business blew up he him and I went to lunch at the university club downtown and um That's some good friends. Yeah, dude. He Dan Dan is like an angel, bro. Oh because man, he's amazing. Yeah. Dude, he's a he's an amazing guy. Yeah. Yeah. So Dan kinda uh gave me spit some game to me and showed me uh how to go out and make some money and um, you know, shout out to Dan and if if you're ever in a car accident in California or Idaho, call Dan Fulkerson at Bada Fulkerson because uh they got your back. Damn, Dan's gonna be happy about that. Yeah, some Good free plug game. right there. Yeah, now I gotta pay him back somehow. Like that's yeah. right, man. Nah, dude. So okay, man. So like, empl- you're CEO, right? You do the hiring at your company. What are you looking for in employees, right? Like, how are you gonna hire somebody that wants to work at your company? What traits are you looking for? Yeah, so we're a little non-traditional. Like when I hire somebody, most of my employees worked at restaurants before they worked here because Give you them can their f- shot. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, look, I'm looking for good talent, not high. Like, I'm not looking for the best experience. I'm looking to give experience, right? So, for instance, my content guy, Carlos. Carlos worked at Starbucks. Donald also worked at Starbucks. 
my employee Lauren and Rachel and and all all my employees all worked at very traditional minimum wage ish jobs, but there's something about them that we saw, right? And and I think that when you find somebody who has the skills, the intangible, the stuff that you can't teach, which is like yep. how to be a good person, how to show up, how to put the work in. Um, when you look for those kind of things and you can see it in somebody, then you give them a platform to go be great at. So Carlos, when we first hired him, we hired him in a uh, customer support role and he was miserable, right? He made really good money off starting out the gate, but he hated it. And I was like, Carlos, I know you used to edit videos. You know, do you want to work in a different role, making a little bit less money, but you can build out my whole content thing. I'm going to start this podcast and whatever. So, uh, moved him into that role, and he's absolutely killing it there. And he's increased his value in the marketplace because of that. Yep. You know, so you asked me what I look for. I think we just look for good people that are going to show up with a good attitude, and they're optimistic, and uh, they're ready to put some work in and and grow. So as CEO, right, as the face of the business, when you're having those all-hands meetings, how do you inspire the team, right? How do you... How do you get them pumped up and motivated, right? Because there's times, right, where you have to do monotonous tasks, right, or you're, you know, like, whatever, you know, people are having to do this and that, right? It's work, right? Yeah. But they should be, you know, sometimes they got to be reminded of the bigger picture, right? Think the thinking bigger, right? To, right. to use yeah, the yeah. Of podcast, right? Like, how do you inspire the troops, right? How do you how do you rally them? I think meeting people where they're at is really important, right? Like you can't rah-rah somebody into something they're not able to comprehend, right? So um, first thing, I think it starts with culture. So you can rally the troops or you can get the troops to rally each other, right? So instead of me being the one to rally them, I want to build good culture so that they're constantly picking each other up when they're down, right? Somebody comes in and has a bad day. The rest of the team is there. They're, nobody's competing to push somebody out of a job. Everybody is there to help each other up. And sure, there's friendly competition, and you know, especially in the sales department. But there, we don't hire people that are going to be uh, like step. We don't want people that are going to step on somebody's throat to get to the next level. We want somebody that's going to get to the next level and then help somebody up with them and continue. Right. Yep. So, but I think that w when it comes down to keeping people motivated and, you know, it's understanding where they're at and where they want to go. And when you're an employer, like you work for your employees just as much as they work for you, maybe even more so. So I'm not perfect. I'm not the best. My personal assistant actually just quit on me. Right. Which, you know, it happens. Right. Um, but, um, you know, that's my fault. Right. Com comes down to me not doing something. But I think at the end of the day, you have to understand where people are at and you have to help them get to their point. So like I know that Donald, when he started, he wanted to make a hundred grand a year. We got him to that point within like less than two years, you know, and, and that's life changing. Cause not only does that change his life, but it changes his family and all of his friends yes. that he goes out to inspire and, you know, things like that. So, um, you know, and, and, and like in relation to my personal assistant, we had a plan for her, and um, sometimes there's a time for people to get on the bus, and sometimes there's a time for people to get off, you know? So, Definitely. Well, as the saying goes, right, people aren't going to care until you show them that you care about them, right, as a manager, as a leader. Yeah. And so 
in corporations or military, for the longest time, it was top-down leadership, right? The subordinates are there to serve the manager or the, or, or the higher-up, the CEO, right? It's, it was like that for a very long time until, I think, recently over the last 20 years, there's been a bigger push for servant leadership, which I think is the most effective type of leadership where the manager is working to empower those under them so that they can do the best. They can do, you know, lead them to where they want to go. And ultimately, though, I think that is the, the most beneficial thing for all. And it sounds like, you know, that's something that you pride yourself in doing, right? Being a servant leader. And I think that's very important. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Like being a servant, like, and in anything you do in life, what I've learned is when you have intentions to help somebody, uh, good intentions usually, like nothing negative comes out of that for the most part, right? So if you go out of your way to help people because it's the right thing to do, not because you get anything back, but like if your intention is to help people, help your customers, help your employees, help your friends, your family, it always comes back when you don't have the intention of coming back, you know? So I think that part of it is just trying to, and again, like I'm not perfect. I mess up all the time, but being fair and, and trying to have other people's end goal and where they want to go in mind. And look, if you and I are trying to get to the same place, we can ride on the same bus, you know, until that place changes, which it, you know, with employees it does. And like I said, sometimes people get on, sometimes people have to get off. Um, but, uh, you know, we're on the same page. Like we want the same thing. Why would, why would we leave? Why would we stop doing what we're doing? Right. You know, like the reason people quit jobs is because it stops getting them to where they want to go. So. No, that's definitely well said. And I think what's cool about what you're doing now with your podcast is the things that you've been, you know, helping people with, within your network, within your environment. Now you're able to scale, right? That's that's the ultimate goal that I hope to do with, with my podcast here, Inspire Your Life, yep. is give people those actionable insights and tools to take action and, and live their most inspired life. Right. Right. So talk about the podcast, right? You started these businesses and then last year you started the podcast and you're like, Okay, I wanna I wanna grow my influence. Talk about the people you've had on, right? Talk just just talk about it, man. Plug your podcast. Yeah, I mean, we've had anything from business owners to Navy SEALs um, to we just had Billy McFarland on, who was uh, the guy that ran Fire Festival and went to prison for defrauding investors and, you know, the documentary. Uh, shout out to Billy. He's really making a turnaround. I mean, we've had a, a ton of people on the podcast, but my goal with the podcast is to help empower over a billion people to reach their highest potential. And I know that sounds crazy. But um, another guest, David Meltzer, if you mm. guys know who that is, David always talks about imp basically his, it's kind of the same goal, but he breaks it down into this. Like if I can help one person, right, if, if I can go out and help one person live their best life, how many people do you think that person can go out and help empower? So that's me empowering all of those people inadvertently. So if I can go help one person who can go help five people who go help five more people, right. well, that spreads a lot. So now if I go out and I help 10,000 people, a billion is probably going to come from close to that or yeah. 50,000 or 100, whatever, right? Force multiplier effect. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right. So it, it spreads like wildfire and um, there's the, the um, it's like, you know, when you, when you drop something into water and you see the ripple effect, that's what happens. And, and so my goal is to build this platform huge, Right. Uh, obviously, the podcast is a business and I treat it like that. 
So I want to make money from it, but um, why not do both? Why not make money while I'm helping empower, you know, a good portion of the planet in one way or another? Right. You got to dream big. You got to think big. You got to think big. You know, my dad was a professional musician and he, you know, I grew up playing sports. My main sport was football and I had the dreams and ambitions to play in the NFL. I didn't end up playing in the NFL, but something my dad would always tell me is like, why can't it be you? Why not? Right. So my dad, you know, my parents were always good with my brothers and I and never setting limitations on what we wanted to do. Right. And it's the people that think big, that dream big. Elon Musk, like, look what he's done. Yeah. He created a car, electric car company, and now he's putting people in space. Yep. You know, like, if, if he's not an inspiration, I don't, you know, he's a con- uh, people don't like him for this, that, and the other, but yeah. do you understand Elon Musk, the contributions that he is making to mankind, yep. right? If he can't, uh, he has, he's an, he's an inspiration to us all, you know, and, and I'm inspired by by that, by that vision, right? Thinking big, dreaming big, right? It's going to happen. I have no doubt it's going to happen for you, Kevin. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. and I think that um, self-limiting beliefs are the one thing that stops people from living their dreams, right? People have these dreams, and they want a certain outcome, whether it's to make a certain monetary amount or even just down to, like, living life on their own terms. Like, I don't think people realize people that hate their jobs, it's actually pretty easy nowadays to start your own, even if it's a side hustle to start, but to to get the same income on your own outside of your job and then go live your own life. Like it's really, right. it's really not that hard. Most people can do it and they, they just give themselves reasons not to, whether it's their family, whether it's their friends, whether it's whoever that tells them that they can't do it, they believe that. And I believed for a long time that my threshold was here, right? This was my ceiling. Well, guess where I hit? somewhere below that ceiling until I change where that ceiling was my results didn't change so I'm constantly challenging myself to think bigger that's why the podcast is thinking bigger with Kevin Feely but also to challenge other people that you can do it right when, when you look at Roger Bannister who ran the first four minute mile nobody had done that before him they thought their your heart would explode and then right after he did it a lot of other people did it yeah. because they they were like oh man well maybe we can go do this you know, airplanes, right? You've got the Wright brothers at Kitty Hawk. People thought they were crazy with this flying contraption. That'll never work. Well, guess what? I don't know how you get from California to Florida, but it's not in a horse and buggy because somebody thought bigger. So if you're listening to this and you're not happy with where you are, maybe you are and you just want something better, challenge your perspective and start to think bigger and figure out ways to change your perspective on what's possible because chances are it is. Absolutely. I mean, you were an inspiration to me. The f- one of the first times I met you, I told you, you know, I'm thinking about starting a podcast and you're like, do it, do it. I'm like, well, and don't wait, you know, don't fucking, wait. I know, I know. And then like the next time I saw you, you're like, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of, kind of holding off on that. And then you're like, no, why? Like, why don't you just do it? Yeah. And then, you know, that really marinated with me. I'm like, I got to do it. I just got to pull the trigger and do it. Now we're here. Yeah. Right. You're my guest. And we're, you know, we're talking about these big ideas, you know, and you just got to go for it. Right. I mean, the things in my life that I've thought bigger, right. So, you know, there, there's a little, little tangent here, but Teddy Roosevelt, one of my favorite presidents, right. Yeah. Walk softly and carry a big stick, but he kind of, 
was a boisterous guy, very ambitious, loud. You know, in his uh, one of the books that he wrote about his time going to Cuba, the pr- there was a there was a joke that the printing press ran out of the letter I because he wrote about it in the first person. You know, he was he was very confident in himself, right? And so this is a quote that I like to say: "It's better to be full of yourself than empty of yourself," right? Yeah. We have this. Obviously, you don't want to be, you know, a jerk. But I think if you think outside of yourself and think, you know what, think past your limitations, right? That, you know what, I can do this. I deserve, I, d- I, I can be with the big dogs. I can roll with the, you know, I, I can push myself past certain limits, right? To, you know, be, be full of yourself. Be full of that energy, that vigor, right? It, it's not going to serve you wrong. You know, you may, you may, you know, not get it the first time. You may make mistakes, but you can learn and then win the second time. Yep. And I think that, you know, I think in our culture and our society that a lot of people haven't really failed. Yeah. You know, that they haven't been put in those situations. So, you know, I've, you know, I went to Marine Corps boot camp, right? And that's just the whole process of just failure. And then you succeed. And then it's like, nope, you actually failed. Right. So it's like this whole just kind of, you know, brain just reorganizing right and uh you know willpower right i'm a guy that gets up every morning sets my alarm clock at 5 a.m and then goes to the gym right i have my routine that is no longer like difficult for me yeah that's just i have to do it and if i don't do it then my my day is off right like sometimes i have to pivot travel and whatnot or have early meetings or something like that but like it's the willpower right and you know I quit drinking, you quit drinking, right? And you said that was an easy decision based on the alternative, based on what you had to do, right? You know, and through those failures, right, through those losses, you callous your brain just like you callous your mm. your, your your hands when you're lifting weights, you know? And I yeah. think that in our society, you know, our life expectancy is going down due to obesity and suicide, yeah, right? And then drug overdoses and stuff like that. Because, like, we're killing ourselves. We are literally killing ourselves. The life expectancy is going down. And I think it would benefit our society, our culture for millennials, Gen Z, to, like, experience failure. Yeah. You know? And, I mean, I think failure for a lot of people is, like, you know, broken relationships. Like, your girlfriend breaking up with you. Like, yeah, it sucks. Boyfriend breaking up with you, whatever. You know? But it's like, you know, I I hear some of these stories... And it's like you haven't really like gone through pain or trials yeah. and tribulations. You haven't like, you know, been out for thirty days, you know, doing a, you know, doing a training exercise where it's super hot or it's raining, you know, and uh, you know people gotta gotta go through the fire, man. They gotta gotta learn, you know, like, right? Yeah, people. <laughs> I, I think also because of our phones and yes. because everything is available right away, right? Uber, you want a ride? You get it. DoorDash, you want food? You get it. Airbnb, you want to rent a house and go somewhere else? You get it. Book a flight right away? You get, you know, you're bored? Get on Instagram, get some dopamine. Porn, yes. active. So many young guys are getting demolished by that. Oh, yeah. Because everything that gives you an endorphin rush, that gives you... <laughs> It's available right away. There's almost nothing that's not. So, uh, you know, even Tinder, right? You, you want to have sex, you boom, match right? with somebody, and yeah. bam. You don't have to earn it anymore. So it's – you don't have to earn anything anymore. And exactly. I think that's that's one of the problems is people are p- 
and it's not their fault really right if you were ra- if if we were a little bit younger we would be dealing with the same problems and we'd probably be different people because of it so i think that getting off of social media and not only getting off of social media for a good amount of time but not comparing yourself to yeah. what everybody else is posting cuz people are posting it's a highlight reel right so you know if you look at michael jordan and you look at his hi- highlights reel and compare yourself to that, it's like, man, I really suck at basketball. But if you look at Michael Jordan when he was a kid, and th- it's got to be a million shots he's missed. Yeah. You know? Cut from his high school basketball team, varsity. Right. And he right. was told that he was never, you know, or a guy like Barry Sanders who, you know, yeah. if I don't know how many people are going to remember Barry oh, Sanders. Dude, Barry, Barry. Barry Sanders. One of my favorite athletes of all time. Barry Sanders yeah, run, running back for the uh, – for the Detroit Lions yeah, back in the nineties, thirty, he would have broken Peyton's record, Walton Peyton's rushing record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a yeah. savage, but he was a little guy, right? Yeah. A- and I grew up the little guy. I was, I was the shortest. Even in eighth grade, most of the sixth graders were bigger than me, and I just had a growth spurt, and luckily became at least average height, you know. But um, yeah, man, the the instant gratification is your worst enemy, I think. Yeah. And having to get out and earn stuff, and Jocko says discipline equals freedom, but it yep. totally does, and um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I work out of Victory, which is Jocko's gym, and that's, you know, plastered, right? Discipline equals freedom, right? Yeah. Fight for what you believe, right? All these amazing slogans, and, uh, you know, y- you've been there. You know, yeah, you got to come tra- train jiu-jitsu. You're always no, doing I mean, Muay Thai. I'm a Muay Thai guy, man. But I'm you got to do both, man. Oh, okay. All right, let's fight. Let's get in the ring. Let's oh, see. okay. See? But no, man, I mean, I know I'm guilty of it. It's like I'll get on Instagram and Facebook sometimes and, like, scroll through the stories and, like, I don't know, just, like, end up like contrasting or comparing myself in like a small way yeah but like it like the porn too man that's something i gave up like four years ago huge mindset shift right and like i'm a huge guy i'm a huge believer as a man to optimize your testosterone yeah you know like what i you know one of the you know giving up drinking that's like a huge killer of testosterone right you know eating like meat right like working out yeah steak like having steak, a good steak yeah yeah you know, like, uh, dude, like sunlight, right? Yeah. You know, like you're saying, like I was tanned. I get, dude, I get the vitamin D, man. Yeah. That's a that's a huge thing. But um, dude, like, there's just like all these things that want to like just take men and just people in general. But I'll just talk from the perspective of men that like want to. It's like our society is like working to weaken them, right? Yeah. There was like this article today talking about how, you know this like hyper obsession with health and fitness is like right wing extremism yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And not to get partisan and political, but it's like, you're going to take something that's just like so elemental to like living a good life yeah. and then say like, that's a negative. Yeah. You know, like there's a man, I mean, what's going on, dude? Like yeah. we need, we have to like ensure that men are like being led the right way, you know, cause with social media and like, it's like, yeah, you know, go to the, go to the beach party, go to the yacht party, all this, you know, all these girls and, you know, the cocaine and stuff like that. And like, so I got a theory, dude, beta male orbiter theory. Have you ever heard of this? No. Well, it's kind of like my theory. So, okay. you know, I guess we're going off a tangent, but like, yeah, let's hear it. Okay. So like a beautiful woman, she always, she always has like a bunch of suitors, right? Like a guys that are like chasing her. Yeah. And so. You know, it's easy for her to, like, get a, you know, get a bunch of guys to a party. Yeah. You know? And these, you know, these guys, it's like, they want to, they're not, like, 
actively pursuing the women like in a good way. You yeah. Know, it's just like, you know, these girls are just gonna invite them to the party and it's gonna be like two girls and like ten guys. Yeah. Right. And like I guess what I'm leading into is like that's kind of evolved in like the whole kind of like just hanging out with a bunch of guys and girls, which and getting drunk and doing drugs and all that type of stuff. It's like as opposed to like actually dating. Yeah. You yeah. know? And putting in the work. Right, putting in the work, well, right? So you had mentioned something that I, I have my own theory on okay. why there's things that are happening. I mean, if you look at it, right, you look at the police departments, you look at the military, you look at the way that we're being socially engineered, it's obvious that Chinese influence is trying to take down this country. There's fentanyl yeah. labs in Mexico and Colombia. We obviously have a major fentanyl problem in the United States. There is so much influence in Hollywood that's being paid by Chinese money mm-hmm. that is stopping, uh, you know, that, that is pushing a certain agenda through movies and TV that's social engineering people's minds to be less manly. Uh, you look at what's in the food. You look at what's in uh, everything that's fed to us through the algorithms on social media. And police departments and military are being destroyed from within. The senior leadership is being forced out in police departments, you know, so, so it seems like the core foundation of our country, the men of our country are being pushed out and replaced with somebody weaker because it's the PC thing to do. Mm -hmm. And look, I don't care if you want to be, if you're transgender, if you're gay, phenomenal, but I don't think it's as big of a deal as people are making it. And like, I don't think everybody's transgender, you know, like I don't, I, I think that there's men and women. And if you think you're transgender, then cool. Like I, America it's a free place you know like anybody can be what they want to be I'm not I don't care live your life just don't fuck with anybody else that's it no matter what you are yeah but it's obvious there's an agenda and it's not out of the good hearts for these people that's not what it's for it's to social engineer and destroy a culture from within so that they can overthrow it that's that's what it is if you're China and you're trying to wage a war without firing a shot it makes sense. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's that's my that's what I think. 100%. And uh yeah. So deeper topic, maybe for another episode, but yeah. That's uh yeah. Yeah, that opens up a whole lot of conversation points. We'll have to have you back on yeah. and then we'll dive into that. But uh I know we're almost at time. Our producer Jay is telling us to get off. But um, he's going. He's like, Come on, man, you know, I'm paid by the hour here. If you want another hour, it's another thousand bucks. He's the best in the business, right? But, dude, so, man, dude, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, is there any just last message that you want to say, you know, how to how people can take charge of their life, be inspired, live their best life, and and how can they find you, man? Just uh, just want to plug you with that. Yeah, I mean, Instagram slash Kevin Feely. My last name is P-H-E-L-E-Y, and I'm sure there's a description or something here he can put the link into. But the biggest thing is like what we talked about when you wanted to like sit and think and wait and make it perfect with your podcast to a point that's good where you want to make sure that something's right. But inaction is beat by action every single time. So if you're going to do something, if you want to start a business, if you want to ask that girl out, if you want to anything that you want to do, just fucking do it. Like, excuse the language, but but you have to you just have to get started and I just had a guy named Josh Giordani on my podcast today. And the theme there when I asked him a similar question was was action. Just go out and put the work in. Get started. Because 
if you don't start and you overthink and you make that a habit, then you're going to le- your whole life is just going to be waiting for you. And, you know, like this tattoo says, reminder, you're going to die. And it happens fast. Like we started out, girl died at 23 years old, right? She didn't, she thought she was going to live to a hundred or 80 or something. She's dead. And she didn't live her life because she didn't take action or she took the wrong action. Yeah. So the last positive thing, I guess, is just get started and don't wait. I love it. Thank you, Kevin. Dude, thank you for having Appreciate me. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it.